Hi, welcome to Stammer Stories. My name is William Lavin and I'm your host and founder of this podcast. In this podcast, we talk about stammering from all perspectives. I'll be talking to people who stammer, people who work in the stammering field and people who have a general interest in the topic. So far, we have spoken to so many inspiring stories and you are about to hear another. We want to show that having a stammer is okay and it shouldn't hold you back. We talk about the greats and the lows of life with and without a stammer. We have spoken to people from India, UK, USA, Australia, Ireland, Italy, and across the world. We have created campaigns and speaking challenges to push people outside of their comfort zones. Not only is Stammer Stories here to support you, we are here to inspire you. We want to make you feel safe and brave to know everyone's voice is worth hearing about. So that's all for now and time to listen to today's episode. Welcome back to Stammer Stories. Um, as you've seen in 2024, we really had one very special episode, the VTOR from I Kissed Boy. He was talking about his experience of being on a reality TV show with a stammer, but also what it's like being a cabin manager with a stammer. And it's a really interesting conversation. And also he's Portuguese and we spoke about how different his stammer is when he speaks Portuguese versus when he speaks to when he speaks. English. So I highly recommend listening to that episode if you haven't. There's also a lot of laughter in that episode because he does compare life with a stammer and and sometimes if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And in this instance, you have to laugh about and just to find the memories. So that's how we normalise things in life, just having that conversation. So today, and I, I am joined by John, so John's going to be coming on to share his stammer story and it's going to be a really special episode. And I just want to say a massive thank you from me to all the listeners because the increase in the podcast has been massive the last few days and it honestly means so much. And to everyone who's reached out to coming on, I will get back to you, but this is not my main job. So I get back to you in my spare times, but I'll definitely get back to you whenever. So, John, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you very much for having me. So, can you just in introduce yourself and tell the viewers what you do for a living. Yeah, so my name's John. I am a service manager for a company called AT&T, which is a large US network and telecommunications company. Um, I look after customer service on the accounts side of things. So I have to go and see customers fairly regularly on site. And yeah, that's one of my biggest challenges with having a stammer. Cool. Yeah. And and yeah, we will talk about your job on the free episode. And what I find really funny with the stammering world is that you never find someone with a stammer who actually doesn't have a non-speaking job. Like everyone with a stammer somehow gets a job where we're talking to people every single day if it's like customer base or if it's like being a public speaker or being a cabin manager you'll always find like every single person who I've had on this podcast no one's had a quiet speaking job and I sort of think that that is to do with a stammer because I feel like at work my stammer is completely different to when I'm at home but I would love to know John about your Stammer. So when did you first realise you had one, but also how was it when you were younger? Yeah, so I first started stammering when I was six. They always say it's either 
or it's quite often a trauma of some kind, whether it's a physical or an emotional. And for me, it was when I lost my dad and I just started stammering after that, really. And it was a very overt stammer, lots of repetitions and lots of trying to get the word out, but not being able to. And that kind of went on through school and had the usual. Actually, to be fair, compared to some of the stories I hear, I wasn't bullied as much, but you always get the laughing and things. And I remember one English lesson I was trying to read. The book was Across the Barricades, and I remember the words and everything. It sticks with you, doesn't it? Couldn't get the word O out. The line was, oh, my God. And the teacher stopped me and just went, John, what's wrong with you? And all the kids laughed and you get that red face and the embarrassment. So we obviously, or my mum put a complaint into the school and the end result was I didn't have to read out loud in class anymore, which at the time I loved. But as soon as you finish school, you lose that protection, don't you? The That bubble that you're in. So off to university. And when that happened, I decided I would never show my stammer again. So I learned the avoidance techniques to hide it. So I became a covert stammerer. And at uni, I would do all the work as long as somebody did the presentation because I didn't want to do it. And again, that worked for me. But then you go into the outside world and you've got to make phone calls and everything. And because I could sound fluent by avoiding words and things, it was really, really challenging going into that work phase of my life wow yeah so it was a very much a started off being over but then doing absolutely everything I could to hide it to hide this secret and that's a very familiar subject or a familiar way to go with a lot of people who stammer Wow. And what I find, what I've learned a lot about stammering as I've got older, but also hearing other people's stories is how everyone's stammer is different, like mm. how severe, how severe it is or not, but also where people's stammer has done from, like, I've had mine my whole life from, I was very delayed in my first few words, but also when you've got people, people like Ed Balls, who only realised that he had a stammer in his forties and then his dad rang him and was like, well, you've got what I've got and I'm in my seventies and I've just realized that I've had a stammer my whole life and had no idea because it wasn't so kind of, but then you got Drew Lynch, the comedian from America's Got Talent. Mm. He didn't have a stammer. I mean, he, he was a American football player and he had a, he had a head injury and now he has a really severe stammer, but also he says that his career as a comedian wouldn't be the same because he, 
makes his jokes around his stammer. So his whole life has been transformed around it. And do you know any other people who stammer, apart from people who you've met through like programs and stuff? Do you have any other friends? Or have you come across people in like the workplace who have a stammer? Yeah, there was one guy, I say I work for an American company. Um, there was one guy in America who had a very prominent stammer. But apart from that, nobody else at all knew. Um, apparently, my dad had one. Um, some say it's hereditary. Some say there's no evidence. But yeah, so I imagine it's some kind of hereditary thing, potentially. Well, because that's because I've tried to look into it and, and I questioned both my grandparents to see if anyone, because I'm the only one in my family who has ever had a stammer. Because I questioned my grandparents, you know, both sets of grandparents from both my mom's side and my dad's side, saying, Has there been any family member with a stammer? And both of them have gone, Not that I'm aware of. And I know someone whose mum who has a stammer, whose sister has a stammer. And, but for me, I've got a few friends who I've met with a stammer, but not through the stammering circle. Mm. And, but I notice it so much more. So if I can see someone stammering, I'm like, yeah, you you got a stammer. But I mean, we didn't say something, but I, I, I can just tell straight away. And, and it's so interesting how our brains are so, so in tuned to like the, do you notice it in other people? Yeah, actually, now you mentioned that, there is someone at work who I've known for a while and you can see the facial contortions and, again, you don't mention it. And it was only when I started on a speech programme and put it on Facebook and she came to me and said, oh, I've got one. And I kind of went, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's particularly for someone who's been so anxious about their own stammer you you feel you don't want to ask them about it in case they feel the same as well yes. so yeah yeah it's it, it was great to have that conversation because I've wanted to for a while and, and it sort of relaxes for sort of that that sort of do you and do you sort of thing and it's like do you have what I've got and it's that sort of a thing but also it you you mentioned a very good point how it's that tricky line of where to cross it at because actually people with a stammer want to talk about their stammer but also it's even better talking to someone with a stammer but you don't know how they're going to react if you because they may not have realized that you've got a stammer like my old hairdresser for 15 years or however many years she it took her 12 years to realize that i had to stammer until i mentioned it then they said no you don't mm. like, yeah i do and she's like no because some people don't even notice my stump but i notice it way more than other people yeah. do and it's that because i i've gone oh you've got a stump don't even gone yeah how do you know i was like i've had all my whole life like, i can tell and when I had Bradley Richards come on a podcast from Heartstopper, he he came on to talk about his new book. And just by chance, because I'm doing some of it, I got his book. And he was talking about being autistic. And 
around an hour before we, we were going to film, he sent me a voice note going, oh yeah, uh, I just remember I had a stammer growing up. Can't wait to record with you later. And I sent a voice note back being like, like hold on, what the hell did you just drop? And my <laughs> message was like, can you just reconfirm what you just said? And then I'll just spend the next half hour, hour just redoing all my questions. And it was, and it was the first time he had ever spoken about it because he only had his for like four years or so. So it wasn't a big thing in his life, but he still remembers it. And it still subconsciously in his head if it does come back. This is just a really bizarre situation. But you've already, so as I said to you, even in our pre-conversation, was that with Stanley, you need to talk about the good, but also you need to talk about the bad. And sadly, the bad in the overall stigma outweighs the good at the minute. And to help change that, we need to talk about the bad in a more open way to show people how more normal it is and to make a bigger impact. Because the more we talk about making the impact, the more it will actually happen further down the line and along the journey. So do you have any other times that you've struggled with your stammer or like how you've overcome that in like maybe the more recent years that you've spoken about like having it in like school, but have you had any more recent times that you struggled with your stammer about how you then overcame that situation? Yeah, I mean, I, when I first started work, <clears throat> excuse me, so yeah, when I first started work, I didn't actually apply for the job. I put my CV up on Monster or somewhere and there was a six month contract working on a help desk and I thought, oh, that's phone calls, that's phone calls. And when I started, I would literally, when I took a call, I would hide under the desk and I would speak just because I didn't want anyone to hear me stammering. And really that went through a lot of my career. I've been kind of held back a bit with not pushing myself. And there was a lot of avoiding. So if there was a meeting, I would turn up late. So you didn't have to do that introduction circle. So my coping mechanisms were avoidance rather than facing or talking about the stammer and it was only I've tried so many speech therapies NHS I've tried private I've tried CBT clinical trials I even I don't know if you heard of something called a speech easy which yeah, is a, yeah yeah so I tried that and actually the idea for those who don't know is it repeats your voice in your ear so it sounds like you're talking in a group so it's easier to be fluent and it worked but then people would ask me about my hearing aid and I'd have to tell them it's not a hearing aid it's actually because I stammer so I stopped using it because I didn't want to have to talk about my stammer and then when I had kids there was a moment that I picked one of them up from nursery and I opened the door and I, they asked me who I was there to pick up and I couldn't say my daughter's name. And they looked at me 
really really strange they asked me to wait outside while they got the manager and they it was really embarrassing and at that point I thought I have to do something and everything up until then I mean you must have tried therapies in the past they they focus on softening the sounds they focus on being able to sound fluent that didn't work so I joined the McGuire Maguire program in 2018 and that's the that was the point that I realized I can't hide away from it and that's the only thing I found that worked to be able to be okay speaking about it I guess because that I say that for me was massive it, it was the showing my stammer which is a covert you, you can get around quite well um yeah, so it, it was joining joining that about what, six years ago now. That's the realising that I couldn't be a good father if I couldn't do things with my kids, if I couldn't pick them up from school, if I couldn't help them read, you know, help them learn to read and things like that. So, yeah, that was the turning point for me I think and I think it's a really powerful aspect to life with a stomach but I think people don't realize that actually sometimes the harder bits isn't what Pete is does the everyday conversation it's actually those moments where you wouldn't expect it and I think it's the times where it we don't really care about does our casual conversation if it's in like the kitchen in like the office or like be bumping into someone in in the park. Most conversations we we just go with a flow. But if it's a specific situation, like doing a team presentation or like going for a meeting with someone who you've never met before, or if it's with a senior person, you may be more conscious. And it's that sort of thing: Do they know me? Do I know them to a point where I can be? open but also it's the little things like if you go to a restaurant you think oh that dish looks really good but actually can I say it and and is it worth saying yeah and I, I've had times where it's like oh I really fancy that and I've done it and like the waiters are giving me things that I'm like you know what I want about dish so much that I just and I, sometimes we do do it sometimes but sometimes you just think is it worth it? Because that's what we expect. We expect judgment when actually it's not always the case. And I think it's the little things that I get way more nervous doing any speaking things in front of people who I know compared to people who I don't know. Mm. And two years ago, wow, it was two years ago. Um, just because we were in 1024. <laughs> and I did a TEDx and I was doing a team run through first and I was doing and then a few days later was the other. So I booked this big meeting room and I was really excited about it, but I was way more nervous doing my practice to my team than I was for doing the actual TEDx itself. Because they know my stamina, they know how if I'm staring badly, they know that I may be nervous. And and when I did it. It was amazing. Like my CEO, both my CEOs were there, they, they were both sobbing the whole way through. And I was like, that's a great sign. Thank you. And then 
and I was talking to someone else who has he had done a TEDx, and they said just a bit of advice: you won't remember it. So I was like, they won't, you won't re remember the actual event. It's just a blur. So I was like, yeah, surely not. People say that, and you think, mm, I don't. And I went there, and it was this proper stage in like the hall, like wrapped up seating. And I went with my, with my friend. Was I to my friend? Was like, I am too nervous to drive. You have to drive me because I don't feel safe driving down the motor with the amount of thoughts yeah, yeah. racing through my head. And I remember dropping my stuff off in like the bag went to the stage and I remember saying goodbye to my friends and then there's a block that I do not remember between that and before going on the stage and then I can vaguely remember being on the stage and then after I had a moment and like there's a selfie with me with one of the speakers do not remember taking <laughs> saw this photo and I was like yeah. When did I take that? Because you're in such a zone. And then after they were like, oh, do I know that you've got front row safe speakers? So for the next speech, you can go and watch. I was like, I just need some time to myself because I just had to bring myself back to reality. And then I was sitting with my friends in like the second half. And I was like, my brain was had the thought, you know how if you see someone on, on a stage, then if you think how on earth especially if you got something you think how on earth are they doing that and, and my brain had that exact thought just by was like can, can you imagine standing on that stage in front of all those people and then like that my brain went that was me yeah and then my heart turned churned like i was about to do a speech again and it was and then when i got home i all my emotions were just all Lower place. I, I I saw this clip of Coldplay giving these deaf um fans like these vibration vests. Yeah. So I could feel a bit of a song. And that just triggered me. It was literally like a waterfall, like you know, Niagara Falls. I and and the next day it just still didn't feel real until my friend texted me on Monday morning and went, Oh, morning TEDx speaker. I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Because your brain just goes into such a haze. Definitely. I have to say, when I saw yours, I thought the same. It's a, it's a challenge I'd love to set myself. Not there yet. And, yeah, seeing yours, I just thought, okay, so if you can do it with a stammer, that's really inspirational. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to set that as a target. But I thought that was really good, by the way. Really, Thank really you. enjoyed it. And, and it's something that has changed my life from doing it. And, and what was funny when I was doing the, the audition process, I had, during the week, I had like lots of different events. Then on a Saturday, I had my audition in front of a panel. And then the next day I was doing a half marathon. Uh, and then on, on my Friday afternoon, I rang my manager. It was like, can you remind me to never do two big events on one weekend? Because my brain is in two halves of... I, I'm practicing in my head my TEDx whilst running a marathon, whilst running a half marathon. But so my brain was just in, and and it was, and and they said, so how do you feel like standing in front of two hundred and fifty people? So I was like, yeah, that doesn't phase me. And they said, and just so you know, our YouTube channel has over thirty-five million subscribers, <laughs> and it was like, maybe next time say that bit first, 
and then save 250 people. Or mention it at the end once you've yeah. done it. <laughs> because you don't realise how many followers. And like, the podcast like, peaked. For two times that the podcast has peaked in enormously, it was when my TEDx went out and then I went to BBC Breakfast. That's... Mm. And I mean, I can see on like the graph those exact days when it doesn't like skyrocketed. Yeah. High because it's just when it gets broken about, yeah. people want to learn more. It's that classic stammering thing of like, if you see someone else with a stammer, Gareth Gates and Ed Bulls hugging on Good Morning Britain. Yeah. Everything yeah. just goes, and like if you see Ken Seema doing his post football interview yeah viral but yeah it, it probably won't be spoken about in the press for many weeks until something else happens like that until the next one but it's it's so good that you're seeing these people who are in the public eye being able to open up and talk about it yeah because, as we mentioned earlier it's you know i'm I'm getting on a bit now. So when I was at school, it there was nothing in the media at all. And over the last few years, particularly, and I guess, I suppose Gareth Gates was probably the first one way back when, but all of these people that are now speaking about it openly, I think it's, it's just the start of something big. I think it's just, yeah. just the tip of the iceberg. And it's really quite exciting. Because you think Mimi Don, Jesse and Mimi Don and Beauty on TikTok, her viral video of her going through a drive-through has mm. had seven, over 70 million people watch it, which is more people than watch the Queen's funeral. That's crazy. <laughs> which is dust. And like she just posted it on, on a chart. And, and within one night it had one million views. And and yet it just has changed the stigma. So much, but it's it's a what I find confusing is that the stigma proves itself so often, and people don't clock onto it. Like in one week, we had Ken Seema do his post interview with with his stammer and being open. Then well, I think I had about twenty five different people send it to me because mm. oh, have you seen this? I'm like, oh wow, that's amazing! Like and and then I had, when we had Lee Mack on Mock for a week, uh, and then Rob Ryden was just stammering by chance on like one of his things, and and Lee Mack was like, "Hurry up!" And like, I saw uh, that. Yeah, that had very mixed reviews, didn't yeah, it? Some people because, thought it was okay. Some thought it was a bit too close to the wire, didn't they? Exactly. So the stigma was like a V, where you had the one end of this stigma like can see everyone supporting him going this is incredible and then you had lean max joke which sort of shows how i remember mocking side and then you had the the interest from it and because part of the segment on bbc at breakfast was with ken Seema, so they had interviewed him like mm -hmm. his ground and then i was in the studio talking about it and it was a really open conversation Naga and Charlie were really open and they were amazing with my stammer. They, and then after, Naga was like, if I'm being honest, you, you, you've you done a better job on that sofa than a lot of 
people, including politicians, have, and you've got a stammer because mm-hmm. your brain sees it as 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 a challenge, than an opportunity. And and I had booked full radio interviews by the time I had got back to London because everyone had seen it and was like wanting to talk about stammering. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is because we have had challenges with our speech growing up and we always will yeah we we're not going to have a cure so it's how can we be more articulate with the words we're going to say I think that's quite a big thing for me as I say before I used to just say anything I could just to get words out but as time's gone on it's okay if I'm going to say something let's make it important let's think about what we're going to say and actually you find like you just said a lot of people who stammer are a lot more articulate than those who aren't and it's yeah i've seen that a few times actually and it's quite an interesting thing when you see it yeah and it's and i've learned a lot from a different but also how different presenters and journalists but also like presenters react to it, but also yeah. other, when I do like panels and, and how other pa- panellists react, because it's that thing, like I, if, if I'm doing a, like a speech rate event, I always make a joke about my stammer and I go, hopefully we'll be done by the event finishes or, yeah. <laughs> and then I don't stammer at all, but like it's, it's a really, but like, but I, get, I think it was with, with Eamon Hopes, then I went on, do GB news and he said, "What should you talk of the most in one one of the most in interesting things I have ever seen?" Because I could see your brain. He, he said he was like, "I couldn't notice you stammer, but I could see your brain processing the stammer words in your head." And he was like, "I've never sat on, on this chair, been able been able to see someone process a word, but also." in such a quick time and he was mm. like unless you were focusing on it i i could tell because don't journalists look out for it but he's mm. like you didn't stammer at all but yet i could see your brain processing it and, and he said when you said x y and z well you stammering when i was like oh yeah massively and he's like but you weren't though but i could see your brain thinking yeah. the stammering on those words that's it it's just bizarre it's it is and I think something else that we think is if we have a block for a second or two seconds to us it's 10 15 seconds to a listener it's no way near as bad as we think it is and yeah. I think that's probably exactly what happened with Eamon as well is you know you thought you were stammering a lot he just thought there was a pause or something like that yeah and I've always been very wary of that yeah Although having said that there's been some times where again going back to what you were saying about situations that t- those times where you phone up to make an appointment at the doctor oh. and you can't get the first word out so they hang up or when they ask your name and you stammer and they go ah. Oh forget your name did you and all of those little quips and things so yeah sometimes the pauses are 
quite long that, that's for sure for them to hang up that used to happen all the time oh, I, I used to that. hate that <laughs> all, all I know since COVID is like oh has your connection gone yes yeah. oh, <laughs> and I'm like no and I sort of have to laugh it off again mm. no my connection's fine but like it's like I, I'm trying to put my car in to go to the garage and I, I filled out the online form but my garage hasn't come back for you so I now know that I have to make the phone and, and like yeah. I need to do it but and I can't put it off but my brain's just like just fill out another online form I'm like no I need to ring them to get it done and yeah. my brain's like I'm gonna do it later because my brain has to allow time to do it even though the phone will take three minutes max yeah and and it's that sort of going through to reception and then they pass you on to the service department I mean it's like because you you have yeah because I find hello quite hard especially to somewhere that I don't know so I say hello to the receptionist I've got over and it's like oh let me hand you over to x and it's like we go again yeah here we go again so, but I'd love to know more about your job, but also how your stamina affects you in like, your everyday working day. Yeah, so work-wise now, it's not too bad. I, I say I've gone from hiding underneath the chair when I answer the phone to customer presentations, going to customer sites, and, you know, I do Zoom sessions, I hold zoom training and things like that so where i've come from particularly over the last few years has been a real progress in terms of outside of work again the big thing was having the kids so i used to be very quiet if people didn't know me i would have a a set it sounds daft now i'd have a set list of questions that I knew I could say and if I asked a question I know I wouldn't be talking much you just have to listen and then you'd ask the next question and that's kind of how I went about my life home eyes family and things I never spoke about it to anyone apart from my mum and after I when on my first course, I spoke to my brother about it for the first time. And he said, that's been the elephant in the room for all these years. You know, he's he's known, I've known, but I wouldn't talk about it. And even my wife, we met at work and I hid it for about six months or something like that. And then I phoned her up and said, I've got something I need to tell you. And it's really important and I built this massive thing around the fact that I have a stammer and she just went so and I think that was kind of the first turning point that actually people don't mind you know people okay you get the media you get the we won't mention politics but certain politicians mocking others and you get that but for the vast majority they're really, really understanding. So I've gone from hid hiding my stammer and not talking about it to if I have a block, then I'll, like you say, you make light heart of it. So I'm like, oh, come on. 
or something like that and all of a sudden the fear starts to go down because you're again normalizing it you're talking about it so yeah it's it's been a good few years a good journey with it and just trying to push myself so say I want to do more on the social media side of things I did a blog on stammer and so yeah that's kind of where I'm looking to do it almost as a hobby really this raising awareness and you know just try try to normalize it and would you say that if you didn't have a stammer you may not be sort of in the immortal position that you are like talking to people every day do you think your career could be very different if you didn't have a stammer do you think your stammer could have sort of pushed you to do things that you may not have done before yeah so I always used to think that my stammer was a very negative thing it held me back it stopped me doing things and I did pass up opportunities on jobs and things but actually as I've grown into work and gone into the customer service side I do negotiation and things like that I think if I didn't have a stammer I don't think I'd have been as successful because you be because of you're aware of your challenges you're aware of other people's challenges and you become more personable and you become more relatable and I think actually I know you use the term my stammer my superpower and I can relate to that because it's it is it's made me who I am and yeah I I don't think I'd be in the same type of role now and I don't think I would be as uh, relatable and personable if if I was a fluent speaker. So again, it's very much a change of my attitude from it being negative to actually, it's not a bad thing after all. And I think that's the message we need to get out to people. Particularly, you know, I I meet a lot of stammerers with the work I do out outside of work and they have a very negative experience so trying to catch that early and try and turn that around um yeah it's it's a bit of a passion for me now uh, and it's so good you sort of seen not seen the light of your stomach but you sort of seen the other perspective of not really like I feel like once you don't care about your stammer and you just see it as normality, your brain just sees it in a completely different way. Like I was having a like a, a few months ago, so I'm part of the Nepal Stammering Association, and hearing some of their stories on because their resources aren't as good. Like the I've heard some really strong. That's all I'm going to say on this really strong experiences with their stammer and I had one reach out and he, he's, he was like oh, I'm really struggling to find a job since I've left uni and I've said this before on the podcast and like normally in like the UK leaving uni finding a job a few months very yeah. there yeah so I was like oh how long has it been oh six years and I was like wow and I was like why he's like 
Oh, every job requires fluency and may turn me down. If ever I stammer in the interview, they turn me away. They tell me to leave the interview. Mm -hmm. And it took him six years to find. <laughs> and it took him six years to find a job because every job requires fluency. But I'm like, what on earth is fluency? I was like, no one can define what fluency is. You can't say that to someone with a strong accent. Like you can't say, oh, sorry, we need someone who's clear speaking. Because what is that? And I think there's so many different messages I think people have towards it. And and I've had people message me going, can you cure my stomach? I'm like, oh, um, I am not a medical professional, but I can give you real life experiences, which actually may be more relatable. And I say say this all the time is that you can give one recipe to five different people all those five people will come back with a different outcome of that recipe mm. none of them will come back because everyone has a different way of doing it so everyone will take a speaking language technique a, in a different perspective some may work for some some may not work at all and it's that you have to find what works for you and your stamina because your stamina is unique and i think people think that they can do a blanket approach and go oh this is my stammer this is one technique that will just cure it no you need to work and find because i one, one of the techniques that i learned and taught, taught myself didn't it's not even a, a technique that you can find online but it was in covid working from home when my stammer basically erupted of not working or like not talking to people yeah and since then it's helped me massively and i don't even think about certain things now because it does this little thing in my head that i've gone right done and see so, so you've spoken about like uh, collecting your like daughter for nursery and like your to have they know or like do they bring up your stem or like do you openly talk about it or like do they or and like to their friends like do they ever say oh like growing up I got three older sisters and was never mentioned about but they were always very understanding all their friends were very understanding of it have you had any experiences around like and those are just have they learned more about stammering do you think yeah the first few years I did everything I could to hide it because of the risk of developmental stammers and if they're replicating what you're saying it I don't know the science but my theory is that could potentially have an impact and while I'm comfortable with my stammer now I would rather my kids don't have one so it's trying to it, it was trying to make sure that didn't happen and so I wouldn't use any of the techniques I'd learned on any of the therapies in front of them just in case but as they've got older and they're seeing me use techniques if I block and they're seeing me stammer more because I've got a I've got a hard fast rule not to avoid words now just because that's what got me into that negative feeling before so now they're seeing that more we're talking about it and I go on courses and they know what I'm doing and they'll hear me on the phone practicing 
techniques and things. And it's at the stage now where particularly my youngest, who's a little bit cheeky, she'll walk into the lounge and go, oh, dad, what's for dinner? So she will copy some of the techniques I use. And I love that. You know, me five, six years ago, I'd have been mortified. But the fact that we're at that stage where she can talk to me about it and she can copy the techniques it's just brilliant it's it's a world away from what it was like when i was so worried about teaching them to stammer during their development wow and that that's actually it, it does show how like, over time you may not notice it in the time about how different your brain reacts to like certain like moments and do you think you've taught them to listen to people in a whole new way like do you think they're now very understanding of the way other people speak around them in like school and like teachers and do you think they've now got a very special way of listening to people to give them time to give them understanding because of your stammer yeah definitely they're more compassionate I think the fact that they've they've heard me I don't think they know of anyone at school but if they're on the tv and you know they'll they'll talk about it and they will listen and my nephew so my wife's nephew if that makes sense by law by my I'll redo that bit (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so my wife's nephew my nephew-in-law he also has a stammer yeah yeah so that that was it it was nice when we kind of got together and then I knew someone else finally but they're very compassionate towards him he's very much a won't hide it and isn't isn't embarrassed of it so that helps but they are yeah they're definitely because they've heard my story and I tell them about what it was like at school and actually I did a radio interview on the BBC last year and my youngest heard it and heard that story about when I was at school and the teacher asked me what was wrong and she just came up and gave me a massive hug and it was so sweet I said it it's absolutely fine but thank you but it definitely makes them more aware of not just stammers but other challenges as well you know it's it's good wow that's so special and and like once I when I did like a tv interview I I had told like some of my team who are in the office so yeah tuned in and I got an email after from a really senior person in my team and eventually like so I, 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 so I was just casually having my supper. It wasn't really had the TV on in the background. And then I heard a really familiar voice. And I was like, hold on, I know that voice. And it's just like, I was beaming with pride, which was like, I, even though we don't work with each other every day, watching that interview makes me feel like I know you so much more. Yeah. Yeah. And when she, she was like but also this will probably panic you seeing my name pop up at seven o'clock at night so I'm really sorry for giving you a mild heart attack for seeing my name pop up at seven o'clock in the evening 
But mm-hmm. it, but she's like it's it was and, and she had no idea as well. So she was just casually just watching the TV. And like those are the messages that make me beam is like when I catch people off guard and like what I love, I, I love it when people have suddenly reach out to me. But the thing that pulls my heartstrings and gets me emotional is when parents or people with a stammer reach out to me because they've seen it. And like when I was in BBC Breakfast, I, I was on my train back and I got so many like new followers and, and like people DMing me going, oh, well, I was amazing when I had this one message come through. And she was like, um, I was upstairs just getting my kids' school bags ready to go. And my daughter shouted, mommy, 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 come here. She came running down. She was like, and then her daughter pointed out the TV screen and look at someone talking like me on TV. Oh, yeah, and yeah. and and it gives me goosebumps now talking about it. And she said, I can't tell you how much confidence you gave her, but also how much confidence you gave me as a parent. Seeing that. And, and then I responded saying, you probably didn't mean to make me cry when you sent that message, but I am currently a emotional wreck after reading that message. And like she was like, I can't tell you how much of a difference that has made of like saying, of the words of saying, look, it's someone speaking like me. It's a very hard hearing sentence to hear from your child. But when you hear it in such a happy voice, and I was like, Ooh, was like, oh, was I only? And literally, that message will always stick for me. And it just shows like, the impact that you can have and not just normalizing it. And that's why you do it, yeah. It's, yeah. it's those messages you, yeah, it just makes all the difference. And I've, I've had a few through some of the socials I've done. I'm nowhere near as established as you are i'm literally just starting but you, you get those messages off the back of the radio interview i did or some of the articles there was i did a newspaper article uh for i think it was an observed the observer i think it was and they forwarded on the emails and there was someone from the us that saw it online and they said i just wanted you to know that i really resonate it it was that hiding away yeah avoiding that I really resonate with that and it's lovely to hear success stories now obviously that's a far smaller scale because I'm just starting off but it's so nice when you know you've helped someone yeah it it is it it's really really good but it's that sort of special knowing that like before BC breakfast I was nervous to a point but then it does turn to excitement and then I feel because like you do with so many different people and different producers. And then the first producer who I was dealing with, she messaged me, she WhatsApp me and she said, Dustin FII, your segment has been shared around the whole office. It was like because of how powerful she said no one had expected your interview to do this well. And and, and she's like, you may not she was like you may have noticed that we've not shared it to twitter it's not because it didn't go well she was like because it doesn't need it she was like you don't need no. it and and she's like no. we had people and I, someone who's been on the podcast he found it and i was like oh how did you find out the podcast and he's like 
So I was working at the BBC when you're on BBC Breakfast and like it's on the screens everywhere in the office. Mm -hmm. he, he was like just walking to get my coffee, nearly had a heart attack. So I saw stammering and the thing about court, have you been to the BBC office in, in um, Salford? No, I've not, no. Sorry. I I didn't even notice it because I was, when I went in, but there's a screen the size of the width of the Arctic lorry on mm. outdoors, massive, massive, like proper outdoor screen. And it was showing BBC News. But I didn't know this when I first went in. And I'm so glad that I didn't. Because I walked out of a building on a... And like the floor manager before I left was like, FIR, you won't see your phone background for 48 hours or so. So I was like, Okay, well, she was like, oh, it's just messages. So it's like, and she was right. Walked outside of the booth and was like, oh my God. And was like, that's a big screen. I was like, what, what are they playing? I was like, and then they went back to the BBC Breakfast Studio and I was like, my face has just been plastered across <laughs> this city. <laughs> and then yeah. I thought, wait a minute, because you don't realize how many places BBC Breakfast gets shed. Like at Heathrow Airport, every screen is playing BBC News. Car dealerships, <laughs> BBC News, doctor surgery, BBC yeah. News. Was like it's not just people watching at home. No. People in like big office buildings on like the big screens. Like, and when I was having this realization, my heart was pounding. And I, I think I had fifty hundred DMs, and like people were sending me, I was being like, "What earth is going on right now?" I was like, and I posted it on LinkedIn. And within 30 minutes, my post had already had 100 likes. And, yeah. I, I, and I think the over like count is now over 400 of people on like my network all over the place. But like my Twitter, because I was posting about it, I, it was just incredible. Like the network of like, I was getting like BBC Sport to, um, producers, journal presenters, mm. like follow me. And, but also the amount of people with a Stamler who followed me and was like, oh, my friend told me to tune in because there was someone with a Stamler. Well, was expecting it to be Gareth Gates or like some, but and when I saw you, because when I, because normally it's in normally a famous person with a Stamler, so people are a bit hesitant to it. But when I heard it was an actual story, a real, a everyday person, I was just on, it's, well, on my phone, still, I sometimes get messages up, like, going, oh, and now when I invite guests on, or, like, do any meetings, like, I share snippets, and, like, we obviously breakfast in, or, like, any press interviews, I mean, everyone goes, how on earth did you do that? When you bricking yourself before, I was like, not really, because you just get into a swing of it, don't you? Do you, are Yeah, I, th I think that also goes back to the, it would be challenging for anybody yeah for someone with a stammer it's that little bit more challenging but it makes you want to push yourself yeah more i mean that that's something i've been trying to look at some local tv stuff i'll start off local in brum before going too far out and yeah it would be a massive challenge so i, I can imagine you'd have been nervous in the run-up to it yeah. But once you're there, as you say, you get into your stride a bit like you're speaking on your TEDx, for example. 
that yeah. that would have been a similar thing, I guess. Yeah. Which one was more nerve-wracking, more challenging? FedEx. Oh, really? Yeah. Because, because right in front of you. Yeah. But also, yeah. with BBC Black, all things TV, it can either be extremely last minute or first or extreme plan in for long future. And like, I knew on my Monday that it was possibly happening. The interview was on my Friday and it only got confirmed on Thursday morning and my train was in Thursday evening. And so I was like, on my Wednesday, do I need to bring an overnight bag to to your office? We're like, yeah. So that's when I knew that it would be. Wow. And then they rang me and then literally was like, can, can you make it to Houston for this time? I was like, yeah. And there were two moments where it sunk in because I posted it on the train and that's when my phone first started. And from, I made like, right, there's a taxi waiting for you at Manchester Piccadilly to take you to your hotel, everything. So like, oh, okay. And, and they said, oh yeah, Dusty, the trains maybe be a bit delayed because of the snow. I was like, there's no snow, thinking because <laughs> within London. And they said, oh no, we got snow. So I was like, oh great. Really? And then got out of a taxi. The first thing I saw were these giant BBC logos up. So I was like, Oh, and then like then I got to a hotel, like the name was like, under British Broadcasting Corporation. And like I've done stuff over BBC, but it's and then and then they rang me, was like, right, have you got to your hotel? Amazing, amazing. Can you be here at 6.50? Because you're going on at 7.50 and you need to go through security, hair and makeup, correct. So it sounds like, hold on. Can this you is big time. This is yeah. weird. <laughs> and then, but I, but weirdly, I stammer less if I'm talking about my stammer. Yeah, I see that totally. Yeah, it's bizarre. And I think it's it's down to that acceptance again. You know, you, yeah. you're talking about it. For me, it's the fear. It was the fear of being found out. It was the fear of being seen as someone that stammers. But if you're talking about it, everybody knows. Yeah. And that fear suddenly starts to melt away. Don't get me wrong. Live TV, my fear would still be there. But about oh, yeah, it is the stammer itself, yeah. About the stammer, it would just melt away. Yeah. Because what I found hard was like writing my TEDx. And I think a lot of listeners will find this like writing a speech. Normally, when I write a speech, my brain is in tune to sort of they autocorrect like stammer friendly words and like my brain was like oh I can't I need to change that word because I'll stammer on it and, and I was like no keep it in and I I and I, I, I literally had this battle like the angel and the devil in my head going and, and, and I've never experienced it before because it's like no you need to change that because I'll stammer on that word and it's like no you need that word in and, and it was Gave me quite a headache because I was like, wait, I'm telling myself to stammer, but yeah, I'm talking about my stammer. And I was like, to my manager, was like, a few days ago, I was like, I'm slightly concerned that I'm having a really fluent week and I'm doing a TEDx about a stammer. And I think people may see me as, as a fraud. So I told him about stammering. And then when she's like, just wait, just wait until you stand up in front of 250. <laughs> That'll do it. Yeah. yeah. But so I think... did you keep those challenging words in then? Yeah. 
Good. Yeah, that's was yeah. hard for my brain to let to let it happen because I had to give myself a lot of reason. But do you find like when you're doing like your trainings and stuff, if you've written your bits, do you find that you don't stammer? But if you're training bits on bits that another person has written, do you stammer way more on that aspect of the training? Yeah. So I will. Because I know my stuff when I'm doing my training or presentation or something like that, I'm more confident when it comes to particularly reading. I still have a challenge and it's that going back to the phone call to the doctor saying your name or date of birth. If you're reading something, you can't change the word. Yeah. So you have to say that word. And. So when I'm, perhaps if I'm doing a piece on mine and then I'm doing a bit on the sales stuff that I didn't do, that gives me more challenges. Yeah, most definitely. Wow. And I ask this question to every single guest and I've written all these questions, but we've actually covered them in like different aspects. So I'm not going to be, but I've got this one question that I ask every guest that I don't give you knowledge on or any practice on <laughs> when you think of someone famous who has a stammer who do you think of Gareth Gates yeah mm. and it's really interesting how lately I've been getting lots of different answers mm. which I'm loving like it's but there are some people where people mention or who I'd think would get mentioned a lot but actually don't get mentioned enough and like whenever I get someone from like the states come on the podcast whenever I ask that question I always expect them to say Joe Biden yeah. majority don't because most yeah. of them don't realize that he has a stammer okay well Gareth Gates I think is my first one that it comes to just because of with Pop Idol resonating and then he joined the Maguire program as well so we we talk a lot about his journey while while we're on the program. So he's he's the first one that jumps out. But then it's really interesting when you research and you hear all these people you never realise, Bruce Willis, Emily Blunt, Rowan Atkinson, so many of them that successful actors and actresses. And you just think, wow, you know, there's so many that are there. But um, yeah, it's definitely gareth though the first one <laughs> yeah and john it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you but i've got one last question to ask you if you could <laughs> give three pieces of advice to someone who stammers and, and three pieces of advice to someone who doesn't stammer what what would it be three pieces of advice for someone who stammers don't hide away if you hide away, you're not being yourself. So show your stammer, show the world, as you call it, your superpower. Number two, I would say, you're going to have to edit this pause out. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Number two, I would say challenge yourself. I spent too long not challenging myself and not going for opportunities where I might have to speak. So make sure that you 
challenge yourself every day, even if it's ordering a Starbucks or making a phone call to to a shop asking what time they close. Just try and get as much exposure to speaking as you can. And then secondly, sorry, cancel that as well. And then finally, find the support. You're not on your own. I felt very on my own for the first 35, 36 years of my life. When I found the support network that I have now, and you realize just how much you can achieve, that makes a massive difference. Advice for people who don't stammer. Number one, the usual, please let us finish. Most people, not everyone, most people want to say what they're trying to say. So give them the time. Secondly would be to have empathy with a person who stammers. Don't have sympathy. We don't want sympathy. We want empathy and understanding. And then thirdly, I have a challenge for you, which would be to write down in Word a sentence, just copy and paste it and highlight 20% of the words in red. Read that paragraph and you're not allowed to say those words that are read. You have to substitute them. And when you read through that, that will give you a slight insight into what it's like as having a stammer. Wow. I absolutely love that last, that last of advice. And I've never heard it before. And that is brilliant. It's a really good technique. I've done it with people at work. I've done it with friends. And they are gobsmacked because they feel that fear of having to get a word out, but not knowing what to say, having yeah. to substitute it. It's a really, really good technique for a fluent speaker to get an insight into what it's like. Oh, I'm going to use that. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to use that because that's such a good way. Yeah, I'm going to that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Really well, good, John, it? It's been an absolute honour to have thank you, you and, and hear your story. So thank you so much for coming on. No worries at all. It's been really good to speak to you. And yeah, thank you for the opportunity. That's great. And thank you to all our listeners for listening to this episode today. I will be making sure to include John's links in, in, in the description of his episode. But also we've got so many things lined up for the next few weeks, 2024. And we also got a, a new campaign viewing, which that's all I'm going to say for now. But it's a very different campaign to what we've done before, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you keep an eye. And we also have some very special guests and also some exciting announcements. That's all I'm going to say on that front as well. So that's why you should make sure to follow us on, on Instagram, TikTok, and X. I get confused if I say Twitter or X, but people know what I mean. So yeah, make sure to follow us, on, uh, follow us on that and make sure to follow us on Storyboard as well. So thank you so much to our listeners and I look forward to um, talking to you all soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to keep an eye out as we have some really exciting guests coming on in the future, which you won't want to miss. We are continuously posting on our Instagram, Twitter and TikTok, so make sure you join us on those platforms where we post fun facts, 
and any exciting projects that are going on. If you have a stammer and looking to join a community for like-minded people, come and join the Stammer Stories Just Say community on Storyboard. Storyboard is a peer support platform that makes it easy to connect with others that are going through similar life experiences. It hosts communities and personal stories covering all aspects of the human experience. Download the app from your app store today and join the Just Say official peer support group. That's all for now, but I will see you next time for our next episode. Thanks.